Chapter 55, Part 1 of The Pharaoh and the Priest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Reed All Day. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Proust. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 55, Part 1. About ten in the evening, Harem stood before his lord. He was dressed in the dark robe of a Memphis huckster. Why dost thou steal in thus, worthiness? inquired Ramses. Is my palace a prison or a house of lepers? Ah, our sovereign, sighed the old Phoenician. Since thou hast become lord of Egypt, the criminals are those who dare to see thee and not give account of what thou art pleased to tell them. To whom must ye repeat my words? inquired the pharaoh. Harim raised his eyes and hands to heaven. Holiness, thou knowest thy enemies, said he. Thou knowest, worthiness, why I have summoned thee. I wish to borrow a few thousand talents. Harim made a hissing noise through his teeth, so that the pharaoh permitted him to sit in his presence, which was the highest honour. When he had disposed himself comfortably and rested, Harim said, Why shouldst thou borrow, holiness, when thou mayest have a rich treasury? I know, when I shall get Nineveh, interrupted Ramses, that time is distant, and I need money this day. I speak not of war, answered Harem. I speak of an affair which would bring large sums to the treasury immediately, and a permanent yearly income. How? Permit us, holiness, and assist us to dig a canal which would join the Red Sea with the Mediterranean. Art thou jesting, old man? cried the pharaoh, springing up from his seat. Who would do such a work, and who would wish to endanger Egypt? The sea would inundate the country. What sea? Neither the Mediterranean nor the Red Sea would, answered Hiram calmly. I know that Egyptian priests, who are engineers, have examined this work, and have calculated that it will give immense profit. It is the best work on earth, but they wish to do it themselves, or rather they do not wish that the pharaoh should do it. Where are thy proofs? asked Ramses. I have not the proofs, but I will send a priest, holiness, who will explain the whole affair to thee, with plans and estimates. Who is this priest? Harim thought a moment, and then asked, Have I thy promise, holiness, that no one will know of him except us? He, lord, will render more service than I. He knows many secrets and many inequities of the priesthood. I promise, answered the pharaoh. This priest is Samentu. He is a great sage, but needs money, and he is very ambitious. And since the high priests degrade him, he, he will overturn the order of priests, for he knows many secrets. Oh, many! Ramses meditated. He understood that that priest was a great traitor, but he estimated the magnitude of the service which the man might render. Well, said the pharaoh, I will think of this Semintu. But now let us suppose for the moment that it is possible to make such a canal. What profit shall I have from it? Harem raised his left hand and counted on his fingers. First, holiness, Phoenicia will give thee five thousand talents of unpaid tribute. Second, Phoenicia will pay for the right of doing this work. Third, when the work begins, we will pay one thousand talents of yearly rent, and besides as many talents as Egypt furnishes us tens of laborers. Fourth, for every Egyptian engineer we will give to thee, holiness, a talent a year. Fifth, when the work is finished, thou wilt give us the canal for one hundred years, and we will pay for that one thousand talents yearly. Are those small gains? inquired Hiram. But now, today, asked Ramses. Would ye give me those five thousand talents tribute? If the treaty is made today, 
we will give 10,000, and we will add 3,000 as an advance of rent for a three years period. Ramses meditated. More than once, Phoenicians had proposed the cutting of this canal to the rulers of Egypt, but they had always met the unbending resistance of the priesthood. The Egyptian sages explained to the pharaoh that that canal would expose the country to inundations from the Red Sea and the Mediterranean. But Hiram asserted that such a thing would not happen. The priests knew that it would not. Ye Phoenicians, said the pharaoh after a long time, promise to pay 1,000 talents yearly for 100 years. Ye say that that canal in the sand is the best affair in the world. I do not understand this, and I confess, Hiram, that I am suspicious. Hiram's eyes flashed. Lord, replied he, I will tell thee everything, but I abjure thee by thy crown, by the shade of thy father, not to discover the secret to anyone. This is the greatest secret of the Chaldean and Egyptian priests, and even of Phoenicia. On it depends the future of the world. Well, well, Hiram, answered the pharaoh with a smile. To thee, O pharaoh, continued the Phoenician, the gods have given wisdom, nobility, and energy. Therefore, thou art on our side. Thou alone, of earthly rulers, mayest be initiated, for thou art the only one who will be able to accomplish great objects. For this reason, thou wilt have power such as no man has ever reached before thee. Ramses felt the sweetness of pride in his heart, but he mastered his feelings. Praise me not for what I have not done, but explain to me what profit will come from this canal to Phoenicia and to Egypt. Hiram straightened himself in the chair and began in a lowered voice, no, Lord, that east, north, and south of Assyria and Babylon are not morasses inhabited by strange monsters, but immense, immense states and countries. Those countries are so great that thy foot warriors, O Holiness, renowned for marching, would have to move eastward two years without halt before they could reach the end of them. Ramses raised his brows like one who permits some man to lie but knows that he is lying. Southeast of Babylon, at the Great Sea, dwell one hundred millions of people who have mighty kings, who have priests wiser than those of Egypt, who have ancient books and skilled artisans. Those people know how to make woven stuffs, implements and vessels as beautiful as those of the Egyptians, and from time immemorial they have temples above ground and underground, which are grander, richer and larger than the temples of Egypt. Speak on, speak on, said the pharaoh but it was impossible to learn from his face whether his curiosity was roused by the description or he was indignant at the untruth of the Phoenician. In those countries, continued Harem, are pearls, precious stones, gold, copper. In those countries grow the most curious grains, flowers and fruits. Finally, they have forests where a man might wander whole months among trees thicker than the columns in the temples of Egypt and taller than palms. The inhabitants of those countries are mild and simple. And, holiness, if thou wouldst send thither two regiments on ships, thou wouldst be able to win an area of land larger than Egypt, richer than the treasures of the labyrinth. If thou permit, I will send thee tomorrow specimens of the woven stuffs of those regions, with bronzes and woods from them. I will send also two grains of a wondrous balsam from those countries. If a man swallows this balsam, it opens the gates of eternity before him, and he experiences the happiness which falls to divinities only. I beg thee to send specimens of the stuffs and the utensils. As to the balsam, never mind. We shall enjoy eternity and the gods without it sufficiently after death. But far, 
very far east of Assyria, added Hiram, lie still greater countries, countries which have two hundred millions of inhabitants. How easy millions come to you, Phoenicians, laughed Ramses. Hiram placed his hand on his heart. I swear, said he, by the souls of my ancestors, and by my honor, that I am telling truth. The pharaoh was moved. Such a great oath arrested his attention. Speak on, speak, said he. These last lands, continued the Phoenician, are very wonderful. They are inhabited by people with yellow skin and sloping eyes. Those people have a sovereign who is called the son of heaven, and he governs through sages who are not priests, however, and have not such power as priests have in Egypt. Still those people are like the Egyptians. They honor dead ancestors and take great care of their remains. They use writing which calls to mind the writing of Egyptian priests. But they wear long robes of such stuffs as are unknown in this country. They have sandals which are like little benches, and they cover their heads with pointed boxes. The roofs of their houses are pointed too at the top, and are turned up at the edges. Those uncommon people have a grain which is more plentiful than Egyptian wheat, and they make of it a drink which is stronger than wine. They have a plant, the leaves of which give strength to the members, gladness to the mind, and which enables them even to dispense with sleep. They have paper, which they adorn with many colored images, and they have clay, which after it is burned, shines like glass, and is as resonant as metal. Tomorrow, if thou permit, holiness, I will send specimens of the works of these people. Thou art narrating wonders, Harem, but I do not see the connection between those things and the canal which thou wishest to dig. I will tell in brief, replied the Phoenician. When there is a canal, all the Phoenician and Egyptian fleets will sail on the Red Sea and beyond it. In the course of a couple of months, they will reach those rich countries, which by land are almost inaccessible. But dost thou not see, holiness, continued he, with gleaming eyes, the treasures which we shall find there, gold, precious stones, grain, woods. I swear to thee, Lord, added he with enthusiasm, that gold will be cheaper than copper is now, wood will be cheaper than straw, and a slave cheaper than a cow. Only let us, Lord, dig the canal and hire fifty thousand of thy warriors. Ramses too was excited. Fifty thousand warriors, repeated he, but what will ye give me for this? I have said already, holiness, one thousand talents yearly for the right to work, and five thousand for the workmen, to whom we will give food and wages. But ye will kill them with work? May the gods forbid, there is no profit when workmen perish. Thy warriors, holiness, will not work more at the canal than today on roads and at fortresses. But what glory for thee, Lord, what income for the treasury, what profit for Egypt? The poorest earth-tiller will have a wooden cottage, some cattle, tools, and furniture, and as I live, a slave. No pharaoh has ever raised the state to such a height or carried out such a work. What will dead and useless pyramids be in comparison with a canal to facilitate the passage of treasures to the whole world? Yes, added the pharaoh, and fifty thousand warriors on the eastern boundary. Of course, exclaimed Harem, in view of that force which will cost thee nothing, holiness, Assyria will not dare to stretch a hand toward Phoenicia. The project was so brilliant and promised such profit that Ramses Thirteenth felt dazed by it, but he mastered himself. Harem, said he, thou art making splendid promises, so splendid that I fear lest thou art concealing behind them some less favorable outcome. 
Therefore I must think over this matter deeply, and take counsel with the priests. They will never consent of themselves, exclaimed the Phoenician. Though, may the gods forgive me the blasphemy, I am certain that if today the highest power were in the hands of the priests, they would summon us in a couple of months to make the canal for them. Ramses looked with cold contempt at Harem. Old man, said he, leave me to care for the obedience of the priests, and do thou present proofs that what thou hast said is true. I should be a very poor sovereign were I unable to remove obstacles springing up between my will and the interests of Egypt. Thou art indeed a great sovereign, our lord, whispered Harem, bending to the floor. It was then late at night. The Phoenician took farewell of the pharaoh and left the palace with Tutmosis. The following day he sent through Dagon a box with specimens of wealth from the unknown countries. The pharaoh found in it statues of gods, woven stuffs, rings from India, small morsels of opium, and in a second division handfuls of rice, leaves of tea, two porcelain cups ornamented with pictures, and a number of drawings made on paper with china ink and colors. He examined them with the greatest attention, and confessed that those articles were new to him. The rice, the paper, the pictures of people with pointed hats and sloping eyes. He had no doubt, now, that a new region existed, which differed in every way from Egypt, in mountains, trees, houses, bridges, ships. And that country has existed for ages, undoubtedly, thought he. Our priests know of it. They know of its wealth, but say nothing. Evidently they are traitors, who wish to limit the power of the pharaoh and impoverish him so as to push him down from the height of the throne afterward. But O oh, ye my ancestors and my heirs, said he in spirit, I call you to witness that I will put a limit to these iniquities. I will elevate wisdom, but I will stamp out deceit, and I will give Egypt hours of rest from labor. Thinking thus, he raised his eyes and beheld Dagon, waiting for an answer. Thy box is very curious, said he to the banker but this is not what I asked of thee. The Phoenician approached him on tiptoe, and, kneeling before him, whispered, Deign, holiness, to sign a treaty with the worthy harem. Then Tyre and Sidon will place all their treasures at thy feet. Ramses frowned. He was displeased by the insolence of the Phoenicians, who dared to lay down conditions to him. So he answered coldly, I will reflect and give harem my answer. Thou mayest withdraw, Dagon. After the Phoenician had gone, Ramses meditated again. A reaction began in him. Those hucksters, said he in his heart, consider me as one of themselves, nay more. They dare to hold up to me a bag of gold from afar so as to extort a treaty. I know not that any of the pharaohs admitted them to such confidence. I must change. The men who fall on their faces before the envoys of Assar may not say to me, sign and thou wilt get. Stupid Phoenician rats, who steal into the pharaoh's palace and look on it as their own den a moment later. The longer he thought over it, the more precisely he recalled the bearing of Harim and Dagon, the greater the anger that seized him. How dare they, how dare they lay conditions down to me? Hey, Tutmosis, cried he. His favorite stood before him immediately. What dost thou command, my lord? Send some one of the younger officers to Dagon to inform him that he has ceased to be my banker. He is too stupid for such a lofty position. But to whom dost thou predestine the honor, holiness? I know not at the moment. It will be necessary to find someone among Egyptian or Greek merchants. In the last resort, we will turn to the priests. Information of this resolve went through all the palaces, and before an hour 
it had reached Memphis. Throughout the whole city, people said that the Phoenicians were in disfavor with the pharaoh. Towards evening, the Egyptians had begun to break into the shops of the hated foreigners. The priests drew a breath of relief. Herhor even made a visit to holy Mefres and said to him, My heart felt that our Lord would turn from those unbelievers who are drinking the blood of the people. I think that it is proper for us to show him gratitude. And perhaps open the doors to our treasures? asked Mefres rudely. Hasten not, weariness. I have divined this young man. Woe to us if we ever let him get the upper hand. But if he has broken with the Phoenicians, we will gain by that, for he will not pay his debts to them. In my opinion, said Herhor, after some thought, now is the moment in which we can regain the favor of this youthful pharaoh. He is hasty in anger, but he knows how to be grateful. I have experienced that. Every word is an error, interrupted the stubborn Mefres. First of all, this prince is not a pharaoh yet, for he has not been crowned in a temple. Second, he will never be a real pharaoh, since through contempt he will never be ordained a high priest. And finally, we do not need his favor, while he needs the favor of the gods whom he insults at every step he makes. Mefres, who had been panting from anger, stopped and began anew. He spent a month in the temple of Hator, he listened to the highest wisdom, and immediately afterward betook himself to the Phoenicians. What do I say? He visited the idol house of Astaria, and took thence a priestess, an offence against all religions. After that, he reviled my piety in public. Conspired with such frivolous minds as his own, and with the aid of Phoenicians, stole state secrets. And when he ascended the throne, I speak incorrectly, when he had barely stood on the first step of the throne, he tried to make the priests odious. He disturbed the earth tillers and the warriors, and renewed vows with his friends the Phoenicians. Dost thou, worthy Herhor, forget all this? And if thou remember, dost thou not understand the dangers which threaten us from this milksop? Still he has under his hand the rudder of the ship of state, which he pushes in among rocks and eddies. Who will assure me that this madman, who yesterday summoned to his presence the Phoenicians, but quarrelled with them today, will not do something tomorrow which will expose Egypt to destruction? And therefore what? inquired Herhor, looking into his eyes quickly. This, we have no reason to show him gratitude, which would really be weakness. But since he wants money at once, we will not give him money. But, but then what? inquired Herhor. Afterward, he will govern the state and increase the army without money, answered the irritated Mefres. But if his famished army wants to rob temples? Ha ha ha! burst out Mefres. But suddenly he grew serious, and bowing, said in an ironical tone, that pertains to thee, worthiness. A man for who so many years has directed the state should prepare for such dangers. Let us suppose, said Herhor slowly, that I can find means against dangers to the state. But canst thou, worthiness, who art the senior high priest, provide against insults to the priestly order and the temples? They looked each other in the eyes for a moment. Dost thou inquire whether I can? Whether I can? I need make no effort. The gods have placed in my hands a thunderbolt, which will destroy every author of sacrilege. Pst, whispered Herhor. Let that take place. With the consent, or without the consent, of the supreme council of priests, added Mefres, when a boat is overturned, there is no time to discuss with the oarsmen. They parted in a gloomy state of mind. That same day in the evening, the pharaoh summoned them. They came at the appointed time, each high priest separately. 
each made a profound obsolescence to his lord, and each stood in a separate corner without looking at the other. Have they quarrelled? thought Ramses. No harm in that. A moment later, the holy Sem and the prophet Pentor came in. Then Ramses sat on an elevation, indicated to the priests stools in front of him, and said, Holy fathers, I have not summoned you thus far to counsel, because all my orders related to military questions exclusively. Thou hadst the right, holiness, not to call us, put in Herhor. I have done what I was able in such a short time to strengthen the defensive power of the state. I have formed two new schools for officers, and I have restored five regiments. Thou hadst the right, lord, answered Mefres. Of other military reforms I do not speak, since those questions do not concern you, holy people. Thou art right, said Mefres and Herhor together. But there is another question, continued the pharaoh, satisfied with the assent of the two dignitaries from whom he had expected opposition. The funeral day of my divine father is approaching, but the treasury does not possess sufficient funds. Mefres rose from his stool. Osiris Amen Ramses, said he, was a just lord who for many years assured peace to his people and praise to the gods. Permit holiness that the funeral of this pious pharaoh be performed at the expense of the temples. Ramses Thirteenth was astonished and was moved by the homage rendered his father. He was silent for a while, as if unable to find an answer. At last he replied, I am very thankful to you for the honor shown my father, who was equal to the gods. I permit the funeral, and once more I thank you greatly. He stopped, rested his head on his hand, and meditated, as if struggling with himself. Suddenly he raised his head. His face was animated. His eyes were gleaming. I am moved, said he, by this proof of your goodwill. If the memory of my father is so dear to you, ye cannot have ill will toward me. Thou hast no doubt, I think, holiness, touching our goodwill, said the high priest Sem. Thou art speaking truth, continued the pharaoh. I suspected you unjustly of prejudice toward me. I wish to correct my suspicion. I will be sincere with you. May the gods bless thee, holiness, said Herhor. I will be sincere. My divine father, because of age, illness, and perhaps priestly occupations, could not devote so much time to affairs of state as I can. I am young, in health, free, hence I wish to rule, myself, and I will rule. As a leader, I must direct his army on his own responsibility, and according to his own plan, so shall I direct the state. This is my express will, and I shall not draw back from it. But I understand that even were I the most experienced, I could not succeed without faithful servants and wise counsellors. Therefore I shall ask your advice sometimes on various questions. To this end, we constitute the Supreme Council near thy throne, remarked Herhor. I shall use, continued Ramses with animation, your services immediately, even from this moment. Command, Lord, said Herhor. I wish to improve the condition of the Egyptian people, but since in such affairs over-haste action may only bring injury, I give them at first a small thing. After six days' labor, the seventh for rest. Such was it during the reigns of the eighteenth dynasty. That law is as old as Egypt itself, said Pentor. Rest every seventh day will give fifty days to each laborer during a year, or it will take from his lord fifty drachma. On a million of laborers, the state will lose 10,000 talents yearly, said Mefres. We have calculated that in the temples. That is true, 
answered Pentor quickly. But the losses will be during the first year only, for when the people increase in strength by rest, they will recover all and more in the following years. That is true, answered Mefres, but in every case it is necessary to have 10,000 talents for that first year. I think even that 20,000 talents would not be amiss. Thou art right, worthy Mefres, said the pharaoh. In view of the changes which I wish to introduce in my state, 20,000 and even 30,000 talents would not be too great a sum. Therefore, added he quickly, I shall ask assistance of you holy men. We are ready to support every measure of thy holiness with prayers and processions, said Mefres. Very good. Pray and encourage the people to pray. But besides that, give the state 30,000 talents, answered the pharaoh. The high priests were silent. Ramses waited a while, then turned to Herhor. Thou art silent, worthiness. Thou hast said thyself, O sovereign, that the treasury has no means, even to bury Osiris Amun Ramses. I cannot even divine, therefore, where we could get 30,000 talents. But the treasury of the labyrinth, that is a treasury of the gods, to be touched only at a moment when the state is in supreme need, replied Mephres. Ramses Thirteenth boiled up with anger. If earth tillers do not need this sum, I do, said he, striking his fist on the arm of the chair. Holiness, replied Mephres, thou canst in the course of a year receive more than 30,000 talents, and Egypt twice as much. How? Very simply, give command, sovereign, to expel the Phoenicians from Egypt. It seemed that the pharaoh would rush at the insolent high priest. He grew pale, his lips quivered, his eyes stared, but he restrained himself in one moment and said, in a tone of wonderful calmness, Well, sufficient. If ye are able to give only such counsels, I shall get on without them. The Phoenicians have our signatures, that we will pay them our debts faithfully. Has this occurred to thee, Mefres? Pardon, holiness, but at that moment other thoughts occupied me. Thy ancestors, not on papyrus, but on bronze and stone, carved out the statement that the gifts made by them to the gods and the temples belonged and would belong forever to the gods and the temples. And to you priests, added the pharaoh sneeringly. As much to us, replied the haughty high priest, as the state belongs to thee, sovereign. We guard and increase those treasures, but we have not the right to spend them. The pharaoh left the hall panting with anger and went to his own cabinet. His position was presented to him with terrible distinctness. Of the hatred of the priests toward him, he had no doubt any longer. Those were the same dignitaries who, giddy with pride, had the past year refused him the core of Memphis, and who had made him viceroy only when it seemed to them that he had performed an act of penitence by withdrawing from the palace. The very same who watched every movement of his, made reports regarding him, but did not tell him. The heir to the throne, even of the treaty with the Tsar, the very same dignitaries who had employed deceit against him in the temple of Hator, and who at the Soda Lakes slaughtered prisoners to whom he had promised freedom. The pharaoh recalled the obsolescence of Herhor, the looks of Mefres, and the tones of voice which both used. Beneath the show of goodwill, their pride and their contempt for him appeared each moment. He asks for money, they promise prayers. Nay, they dare to tell him that he is not sole ruler in the land of Egypt. The young sovereign laughed in spite of himself, for he called to mind the hired herdsman who told the owner of the flock that he had no right to do what he liked with it. Besides the ridiculous aspect, there was in the case a point which was terrible. The treasury contained perhaps a thousand talents, which, according to the recent rate of outlay, would last from seven to ten days. 
and then what? How would the officials, the servants, and above all, how would the army exist? Not only without pay, but without sustenance. The high priests knew this position of the pharaoh. If they did not hasten to assist him, they wished to ruin him, and to ruin him in the course of a few days, even before the funeral of his father. End of chapter 55, part 1